quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The house was shaking. I was concerned about the roof coming off the house. The winds were high. It was whistling like I never heard anything before. To see my family, um, you know, so devastated and disproportionately impacted, um, I lost my father to this pandemic. When I saw the houses just burnt and gone, we couldn't even see the road coming in because the smoke was so bad and the fires were coming across the road. Sounds of an election year like no other, where overlapping crises have put science at the center of the political debate. Hello, everyone. I'm CNN political director David Chalian. And I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson. Welcome to Politically Sound. Whether it's the worsening climate crisis. This is not a partisan issue. Ideology should not kick in. It's just a fact. Stopping the spread of the coronavirus. By the way, a lot of people don't want to wear masks. There are a lot of people think the masks are not good. Or the push for a vaccine for the disease. I trust vaccines. I trust scientists, but I don't trust Donald Trump. Politics follows this president wherever he goes, and science is no exception. It's all part of a presidency whose critics say has made an enemy of reason, evidence, and facts at every turn. And while the politicization of science isn't a new phenomenon, it's now coming to a head over matters of life and death for Americans at this very moment— and for future generations. In this episode, we're going to discuss how the crossroads of politics and science have emerged as a flashpoint for voters in this election, as well as how and why we ended up here. Plus, we'll hear from our chief climate correspondent, Bill Weir, to walk us through why political leadership matters when confronting the climate crisis. So it's time to tune out the noise and tune in to what's politically sound. Nia, let's start with the coronavirus. In the last few weeks, the president has admitted to downplaying the risks of the virus, and we've continued to see him flaunt the science by holding these in-person rallies and events. What is your understanding of the political calculus behind the president making an aggressive move in ignoring science here? Well, the president, I think, wants to create a kind of fantasy island and invite all Americans to that fantasy island. And on the fantasy island, everything is perfect. The coronavirus almost didn't really happen. He wants to turn back the clock uh, to January. So on this fantasy island, you don't need masks. You don't uh, have to worry about sending your kids uh, back to school. You can go to football games. And apparently on this fantasy island, blue states don't really exist. Here is the president uh, talking about the death count. That's despite the fact that the blue states had, had tremendous death rates. If you take the blue states out, we're at a level that uh, I don't think anybody in the world would be at. 
And of course, in those blue states, Republicans died, independents died, all types of people actually died uh, from the coronavirus. But you have the president there in some ways trying to issue talking points uh, to his followers. And he knows that his followers take him at his word, uh, believe him. They have shown up at his rallies all across the country, not wearing masks, flouting the science in the same way that Donald Trump is doing. You have a president who had a very good record, right, before the coronavirus. You think about where the economy was. You think about how people were feeling about the future of this country. Uh, Things were pretty good for this president. So he's really trying to turn back the clock to that pre-coronavirus existence, uh, trying to convince people to get behind him, trying to convince people that what has happened to them in some ways hasn't really happened. And to the extent that anything is bad, uh, he's the person that can correct it. And not only that, it's China's fault, it's the Democrats' fault, and he's the one who is strong enough to right the ship. And so we see the president going against science, not only ignoring the data, as you've seen, David, and have talked about, but he's also now casting doubt on these government scientists. From the White House podium uh, this week, you saw the president undermining his own CDC director, telling the press that Dr. Redfield, again, Dr. Redfield, that his vaccine timeline was incorrect. No, I, I think he made a mistake when he said that. It's just incorrect information. And I called him, and he didn't tell me that. And I think he got the message maybe confused. Maybe it was stated incorrectly. Clearly, David, you've got this situation where they're putting politics ahead of facts. Talk to me about the long-term damage this will do. Well, first, what is so clear here, right, from the president just this week completely throwing Redfield, the CDC director, under the bus uh, that you just played there, Nia, this is just a this is just the latest example. I mean, President Trump, since the very beginning of this pandemic, has been undermining the scientific experts in his administration. At times, he, you know, he was undermining Dr. Fauci. At times, he even undermined Dr. Burks, who apparently he was a big fan of initially. And now you don't see Fauci and Burks so much anymore now that he found a doctor in Scott Atlas that will just say what he wants him to say, it seems. But this has been the entirety of the pandemic where the president is constantly undermining the scientists who are charged in his administration with keeping the safety and health of the American public in a good spot. Like, that is what is astounding about this. But you nailed it, Nia, uh, when you said this is all about the president of the United States trying to create an alternate reality. By the way, this is what Donald Trump has done for the entirety of his professional life, whether in real estate or in politics. And the way he sells and has always sold in his whole life is to create a reality It could be completely divorced from facts and repeat that reality often enough to anyone who will listen to him, which currently in the country is about 40 percent of Americans, which is a pretty big swath of people, (laughs) but convince anyone who will listen to him that what he is saying is the reality. And when you deal with something like science, it's different than what he did in real estate than what he did about his crowd sizes at the inauguration. Or you, you can spin a lot of things. It is really hard to create a believable alternate reality for a majority of people about something that is 
scientific. It's not about interpretation. It's actually about facts. It actually is about, here's a virus. It does this. This is how it's transmitted. That's not up for debate. I know Donald Trump is making it up for debate, but it's actually why he keeps running into this wall politically, because the virus is unlike every other circumstance he has found himself in in his professional life where he can um, successfully create an alternate reality. It is so hard to do that with science. And I think that, I mean, the vaccine is a perfect example. It's one of the areas where science is becoming political and that could have disastrous consequences. He is literally endangering lives by creating a political debate around a vaccine. And I'm wondering what you think the ramifications of politicizing a vaccine, which isn't here yet, but is on its way, what that does to the long-term health of the American people and the ability to move past this virus. Right. If you look back at some of the data on vaccines in May and April, Americans were very much on board with taking a vaccine. It was something like 70 percent of Americans uh, thought they, when a vaccine was available for this, uh, they would take the vaccine. Now, if you look at some of the polling, uh, there was an NBC survey monkey poll out on Tuesday, 39 percent of Americans said that they would get a widely available uh, government-approved vaccine. Guess what? 40% of people is not enough to really protect Americans on a broad scale. So there you see, I think, what has happened over these last months as the president has been making these promises about a vaccine. And again, if you think about the people who are talking about vaccine availability, There is essentially one person, Donald Trump, saying that it's going to be available before November. In October. Not a scientist, as far as I know. Not a scientist. Not a scientist. But Nia, these numbers that you're pointing to, isn't this exactly why? We heard Joe Biden come out and try to, I don't want to say correct the record, but but to walk this line of Donald Trump is not to be believed, but we have to believe in science and vaccines. So, uh, yes, don't listen to that one person that you're talking about right now. But we can't ignore the import of a vaccine and actually taking in that information from the scientists. Yeah, and you see Kamala Harris in some ways uh, muddling this message when she came out and was asked, I think by Dana Bash initially, about this vaccine, saying she didn't trust Donald Trump on it, but she did trust these scientists. And this question of a vaccine is something that former Vice President Joe Biden addressed at his CNN town hall. If Fauci says the vaccine is safe, I take the vaccine. We should listen to the scientists, not to the president. I think there was also a Senate candidate who just came out and said that he wouldn't trust a vaccine out of this administration. So Cal again, Cunningham, the Democrat in uh, North in, Carolina, in North Carolina against Tom Tillis. Yeah, exactly. So this is where uh, we are. And listen, there's a lot of both siderism uh, that goes around. But in this instance, you have the president are really politicizing uh, the, the data, undermining his scientists, contradicting uh, his scientists and putting the timeline for a vaccine 
seen on his electoral timeline. Uh, and David, as we talk about sort of this anti-science stance as it relates to the vaccine, as it relates to the, the coronavirus in general, it's not just the coronavirus where science uh, has become a real political issue. This week, we saw historic wildfires continue to ravage the western United States and a deadly hurricane slam into the Gulf Coast. And in the face of all of this devastation, it's hard to believe that climate change and the climate crisis is actually a political issue, but it is. And these candidates could not be more divided on their stance. What does this say to you? Yeah, I think the candidates are more divided on this than the country is uh, overall. I I get that dealing with the climate crisis is a political issue because solutions on how to deal with it is a political issue. But the fact is we have a president and a presidential candidate who are worlds apart because the president still is a skeptic that climate change exists. I mean, that, I mean, th- that's the reality here. It, that is the age-old debate, and that had moved in American politics to a place where Republicans and Democrats were sort of disagreeing about the approach of how to resolve a, a changing climate and the crisis that that may be causing. But Donald Trump reverted back to the decades-old debate about whether or not climate change is real and caused by man. And, and um, so what I thought you saw on display this week was probably the issue where they are furthest apart from each other in many ways. And I know there's so much that Donald Trump and Joe Biden don't agree on. I'm not (laughs) suggesting they're uh, similar in other ways. But I do think it was so clear this week because of everything you're describing. I do think um, it's why you saw Joe Biden sort of get out there this week and and, uh, take Trump on on this issue uh, with really aggressive language. Man, he went after Trump this week calling him a climate arsonist. And listen, I think, again, this goes to where voters think this president is lacking in some ways. We talked about character uh, last week. We talked about uh, the idea of whether or not he can acknowledge reality and acknowledge uh, truth. Again, you have voters who like that this president is sticking his thumb in the eye of these scientists and doing it in such a public way. But again, you have all these other people who are looking around the country, looking around the world and noticing that uh, there are these catastrophic weather events in a way that we hadn't seen in decades past in this country. Uh, And listen, folks will rally around him. They will parrot his talking points around this climate change as they have done the same with coronavirus. We're going to be right back with Bill Weir, who's going to talk more about this climate crisis. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Joining us now is our chief climate correspondent, Bill Weir, to tell us more about the devastating impacts we're seeing in the climate crisis and what role politics plays in all of this. But first, Bill, we've been talking a lot about the president and science. I wanted to ask you about Joe Biden, the Democratic nominee, What can you tell us about his climate policy? Uh, Well, it's interesting, David. You know, during the primaries, he was regarded as sort of a middle-of-the-pack, soft moderate uh, by most, you know, serious climate hawks. But since he won the nomination, absorbed a lot of uh, Bernie Sanders folks, uh, Sunrise Movement, kids, and I say, I don't say that pejoratively, but the youth movement, he has really gotten more ambitious and his plan has gotten more expensive. He, he notably did not use the words Green New Deal when he spoke this week about environmental issues, but he's laying out similar really ambitious plans, making it very much about jobs. But, you know, some people, uh, you know, who love the environment and worry about the climate don't love the fact that he won't ban fracking, for example, uh, or, or doesn't promise to get rid of subsidies for oil companies. Um, but <laughs> beats the alternative. <laughs> it's funny that you say they're upset the, on the left that he won't ban fracking. That's actually exactly what Donald Trump is accusing him of doing. He's been having to sort of refute that point constantly. Uh, so I guess he's getting it from both sides. But exactly. it seems to me this is the one area, as you noted, he may have avoided the words Green New Deal, but it is the one area as the nominee, unlike health care, unlike other economic policies, where he really has moved left. I mean, the movement sort of brought him along in some ways. Absolutely. And it's completely driven by all the Greta Thunbergs sitting at all the dining room tables, I think, across America. Uh, you know, a generation that can't separate social justice or jobs or healthcare from the environment because they see it as all completely connected. And that's certainly playing out right now. Okay, that's the Joe Biden side of the equation. Now let's talk about the president. We hear the president all the time talk about uh, the cleanest water and the cleanest air. But do we have a sense of what the president's climate policy is? Uh, Yeah, uh, that his sense of the environment pretty much is regulated to playing 18 holes, you know, at at a Trump golf course, honestly. And I I don't say that. Snidely, his son is an is an outdoorsman and actually moved him a little bit on a big controversial gold mine in Alaska. But no, and you know, we can talk about the character and fitness for office, which would be relevant in 1820 or 1920, but in 2020, it is the most important thing because of the moment in time right now calls for really the most incredible leadership of all time. And for Donald Trump, he won't even admit it's a problem. A baseball highlight popped into my Twitter feed this week. Reach for shallow center. Loriano goes into a dive. Did he catch it? It showed an Oakland A's outfielder making a sliding shoestring catch while wearing a huge white face mask. He wasn't wearing it for fear of COVID-19 because there were no people in the stands in Seattle. He was wearing it to play through smoke generated by the most intense fire season the Western U.S. has ever seen. And the Diablo and Santa Ana winds haven't even reached full force yet. But my first reaction was not, dear Lord, we now live in a world where professional baseball games are played in stadiums full of smoke, but no fans. Now, my first reaction was, nice catch. 
Nice play by Ramon Laureano. Urban not sold on it. Because that is how we roll as Homo sapiens. We normalize the horrible in order to survive, and those who survive adapt. So unless Donald Trump starts a nuclear war, the way he has normalized science denial will probably take more lives and cost more national treasure than anything else he ever does. We can measure the number of lives that could have been saved from coronavirus, but the number of preventable lives lost to climate change will be measured for the rest of human history. The latest, most jaw-dropping example came when President Trump finally paid a visit to California after three weeks of hellish wildfires. I was in paradise several times after the 2018 campfire and cannot begin to describe the various ways it ruined people's lives. It's very hard on a daily basis to see all this destruction around us and how much the town has suffered. This season is much worse. It will devastate insurance markets and property values, cause a spike in lung problems, and exacerbate a housing crisis. We came here a year ago after leaving the Paradise Fire. <laughs> Lost everything then, so there's not much to lose now, I guess, for us. But God, this is terrible. So when the president came to town, California Governor Gavin Newsom and local officials took pains to explain that all of these various headaches are the result of a hotter, drier West getting hotter and drier. And despite the president's belief in so-called forest management, these things cannot be solved by lumberjacks. It'll start getting cooler. I you, wish, just, you just watch. I wish science agreed with you. <laughs> hey, well, I don't think science knows, actually. Science knows. Science is known since a suffragist named Eunice Newton Foote discovered the greenhouse effect before the Civil War. For generations, the top minds have been yelling like Paul Revere that days with five named storms in the Atlantic at once are coming if we don't get off fossil fuel. They put out paper after peer-reviewed paper showing how three or four record fires could burn at once. Plagues of locust from India to Africa and cracks in the glaciers that hold a piece of Antarctica the size of Florida from sliding into the sea. They were right. All of those things happened in recent weeks. The Bob Woodward tapes revealed that Trump actually understood the gravity of COVID-19, but said he played it down because he didn't want us to worry our pretty little heads about it. I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. So maybe he's poring over ice core data and chatting with the climatologists at NASA before bed at night. But more likely is that he dismisses scientists the way he dismisses diplomats, doctors, and generals. Because, by all appearances, he is of the populist, authoritarian school of father knows best. But what the president did in California was like dad standing in the middle of a four-alarm house fire, pulling the batteries out of all the smoke alarms while telling the kids to go back to bed. Climate change is as much a psychological challenge as a technological one. Convincing the critical masses that all of our glorious machines are causing our slow-motion demise and that we must radically adapt now is a heavy lift for any politician. The next president will have to do just that, not just in the U.S., but around the world. But COVID taught us that well-led humans can make sweeping adaptations 
to save the lives of people they will never meet. But to start, a leader must normalize action instead of denial. Bill, thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. I wanted to ask you about something else that happened this week in science and politics, and it's never happened before. What is that? Well, in the uh, 175-year history of the venerable publication Scientific American, they have never endorsed a candidate for president until now. And so they join more than 80 Nobel laureates uh, in endorsing Joe Biden. And really, it's not so much about Joe Biden seen as a green savior. It's compared to the other guy. And it's safe to assume that most scientists uh, would vote for an ear of corn over Donald Trump. <laughs> Bill, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Okay, Nia, I know people don't necessarily think of you and I as uh, people who talk about science uh, for a living <laughs> here. So help put all these pieces together. What is your big takeaway about this intersection of politics and science that is so front and center in American lives? So I'll put just on my politics hat and say, we don't really know what this means for November, for the election. What does it mean for voters? Do voters change their minds based on uh, what we see from Donald Trump, his anti-science uh, stance when it comes to the vaccine, when it comes to coronavirus, when it comes to masks, uh, and when it comes to climate change? We have no idea. But I'll put on just my person hat and my new mom hat, and I have to say, I'm really scared about this? What does it mean for this country where we have sort of two Americas, to borrow from uh, John Edwards, people who do believe uh, in expertise and then others who are populists uh, and in some ways populism expressing itself as anti-science, uh, as anti-expertise. That is kind of a frightening thing to consider. I think when people think about this next election, uh, they think about, you know, obviously Trump is on the ballot and should Trump be defeated, maybe Trumpism will be defeated uh, as well. But I tend to think not. Win or lose, it seems like uh, this kind of Trumpist approach, this populist approach, this anti-science approach is really taking root in a large segment of the population. And that could have catastrophic near-term effects in terms of coronavirus and also in terms of what uh, politicians feel like they want to do about this climate crisis that we all see in horrible ways playing out uh, in states uh, across the country. So that is my my kind of frightening take on everything. That is pretty uh, David, frightening. Yeah, yeah, David, maybe you have a more uh, upbeat takeaway than I do. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily, but I, I take your point, and I think it's a good one. I think it's a really good sort of warning for all of us to think through what that would mean if such a big swath of the country sort of defied scientific facts as we together as a nation are trying to battle our way through this pandemic. I do, to your initial political point, I don't yet know if it's a large enough swath electorally in the right places of people who feel that way. And especially, as we've talked about on this podcast before, sort of like key geographic and demographic voting blocks that are going to be so critical to the outcome for Biden or Trump, um, like the suburbs we've talked about, right? Like, this is exactly the kind of stuff that sends those suburban voters further and further away from Donald Trump, which is why, Nia, I think politically in our history, we've seen this issue 
actually have a lot of bipartisan support. I would say go back to the mid-2000s. I clearly remember Nancy Pelosi and Newt Gingrich sitting on a couch uh, on Capitol Hill in front of the Capitol (laughs) talking about climate change, talking about the need to tackle this this problem that is impacting everyone, right? That was a Republican Party that was trying to reject some of the loud, far-right voices saying that climate change wasn't real, right? And they politically, they understood that that was a problem to be. And so we saw this bipartisan action. I mean, go back to the 1970s. Richard Nixon was the grandfather of the EPA. I mean, he was president and created the Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, Just listen to his words at the time to Congress. These problems will not stand still for politics or for partisanship. They demand to be met now. By meeting them now, we can make 1972 the best year ever for environmental progress. Hard to imagine President Trump using words like that in a message to today's Congress. So I do think this notion of science and being against the science and and against the facts actually hurts Donald Trump where he needs help the most right now. So politically, I think that is his problem here. It is precisely these issues that is helping drive some voters who may otherwise be receptive to his economic plans or, or other pieces of his agenda, just driving them further away from him. Right. And those are the voters that could determine his fate in November and really Republicans up and down the ballot all across the country. That's it for this week's episode of Politically Sound. Thanks for listening. And if you could take a few minutes to give us a rating and a review, we would very much appreciate it. And please subscribe if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts. Politically Sound is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Will Cadigan and Mimi Mutesa. Haley Thomas is the senior producer. Raj Makija is the senior production manager. And Francisco Monroy is our engineer. David Toledo is the team's production assistant. And a special thanks to Abby Sharp for her help on this week's episode. The executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.